Hey folks, Tony Russo. This is a repeat episode. This was episode number 21. It was author Kim Cash, and uh, we're rerunning it because I've tightened it up for the radio, and I think that she deserves to have a better show for you to hear. So this is a little bit longer than the one that was on the radio. A couple more things are in it. It sounds a lot better than it did the first time we released it, so I thought you should get another shot at it. Plus, we have new listeners, I hope. So um, welcome to So What's Your Story, and uh, here's the show. I want to drop a plot, a fictional plot and fictional characters into a really accurate setting. I want for all of the details about geography, about culture, about the way of life in a place to ring true, to be real. If I'm talking about an element that's going to advance the plot or if there's, you know, a clue that I'm I'm dropping in in the dumpster behind the ice cream shop, that's fiction. But everything else I try to make real. So I'm trying to write something that's as close to nonfiction as possible with a bunch of wild characters and stories overlaid. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, their stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Kim Cash, a freelance writer and fiction novelist who has traveled the globe with pen in hand. A native Marylander, she was born in Greenbelt, Maryland, then spent some time living in California, a move that gave her a deeper appreciation for the Mid-Atlantic. Now, Kim splits her time between the Delmarva Peninsula and the Middle East and works as a freelance writer. In 2009, she wrote a best-selling travel book, Ocean City, A Guide to Maryland's Seaside Resort. Her fictional novel series is set against the backdrop of Ocean City, Maryland, and focuses on Jamie August, a newspaper reporter who won't stop digging for a good story and finds a bit of trouble along the way. The first in this series was Ocean City Lowdown, published in 2013, followed by Ocean City Cover-Up in 2015. So welcome to the podcast, Kim. Thank you. It's great to be here. This is probably the farthest anyone has traveled to be on the podcast. So <laughs> I think we're going to, you get a gold star for, for that. Right. Well, it was only halfway around the globe. Mm. I mean, yeah. So you came in from, from you, Saudi Arabia, from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Holy smokes. So yeah, you definitely get the gold star for, <laughs> but before we had a guy that came from Baltimore. So I think you've smashed that to, to uh, well, smithereens. Believe me, it's my great pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of wanted to talk about in your Jamie August series, she is so such a neat character. She's got this quirky personality. She's really kind of tenacious, but kind of lovely and weird at the same time. And I was just like, where did, where, how did she get born? Well, Jamie August is definitely a fictional character. She's not based on any one woman, um, but she is based on a bunch of people that I've just either grown up with or worked with or come in contact with throughout my life as a Marylander. To me, she's like the ultimate Marylander. She's like super Maryland woman. She's, oh, yeah, the um, Ravens jersey piece. You know, yeah. she loves Ravens jerseys. She's from Dundalk. It was like her dream, her dream of life to move to Ocean City. That was like it. And she did. Right. And so I just feel like I like to celebrate the ultimate small town Maryland girl who is living the dream. And what's interesting about her is that she just has the quirks of Jamie August set against some of the 
I don't want to say Ocean City is cheesy. It's kind of, some parts of it are well, kind of cheesy, yeah. right? But so you've got this, like, <laughs> so I think it's, it, it, she kind of fits in Ocean City, right? I mean, it's kind of... That's a- what I was going for. You know, I'm glad that you think that that's true because I wanted to bring out the quirkiness and, yeah, I mean, the cheesiness of Ocean City as a sort of a celebration. I mean, I've, I'm not trying to make fun of Ocean City or of Maryland culture or of the Maryland accent because, you know, I'm from here too, but rather to celebrate it and to try to explain it to people who maybe have never been here. Well, yeah. Tony's ready to jump in. He's from New Jersey. Oh, so yeah. No, no, no. jump I, in, Tony. Well, it, it's one of the things that the less expensive seaside resorts have in common. Right. All right. So you said cheesy, and my first thought was, cheesy is tacky without apology, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I know. I just don't care. It's not a lack of self... I mean, all right, no, sometimes it's a lack of self-awareness. But a lot of times, those are the Pennsylvanians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, went there. <laughs> no, but He's from New Jersey. He'll go anywhere. <laughs> so this idea that you can embrace it, you know, in a, in a, in a very John Waters kind of way, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Is, is something that... It must be difficult to bring about in print because you you don't get to say to every person I'm not I'm not making fun I'm I'm being honest I'm laughing with and not at. Mm-hmm. One of the difficulties that I have is that people are always like Oh you should write humor I'm like No I'm just mean. In person it's not a problem because you see that I'm not trying to be mean but in print I'm just mean like I don't I don't have that. I can't bring that sense mm. of humor. Well, I hope that I'm successful in conveying that I'm sort of gleeful rather than snarky, or that's my intention. Because no, it comes. It, no, you're right. It, it doesn't come across like right. put all, like I'm putting this down. I mean, it's, it's that embracing of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's enough of an issue with me being very close to Washington D.C. Like I'm not from Baltimore. I'm from D.C. And right. so you know, already that's a little strike against me down here. Right. <laughs> so it's a fine line, you know, I have to not sound like I'm being condescending because really I love Ocean City. Like even at its worst. I I would anticipate that most local people would be appreciative. Like when I read it, I was like, oh, I'm recognizing stuff. And, you know, she's, she's got it right. She's describing it right. She's got the right flavor. She's got the right feel. And I mean, as a, as a, I was born and raised here, you know, so right. like, got you the know, cred. I'm, I'm a local girl. I got the, the old, like, so old blood in me that the mosquitoes don't bother me anymore. But I felt like you got the flavor of Ocean City. I, w- I would think your audience would be connecting positively with that. Well, I'm glad. And part of that is just getting, trying to get my facts right. When I write the novel, I have in front of me a map of Ocean City and I've got my travel guide, which is increasingly out of date. I mean, I wrote it in 2008, but still the lay of the land doesn't change. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm writing about Jamie finding a body in the dumpster behind the ice cream place, like I make sure that there really is an ice cream place on that corner. Right. And the parking lot really is in the back. Right. So just little details like that, that, you know, a reader who's not from Ocean City isn't going to know or care, but those people from Ocean City are either going to catch me out in an error or I think are going to really appreciate that I got it right. Because I know that when I read other people's fiction that's set, I mean, there's a million thrillers set in Washington, D.C., and I hate it when they get the geography wrong. Because it's simple. I've done this myself in nonfiction that I've written. I'll use Google Maps now. Do you you make any, do you, does that, is that a tool that you use? Mm, Did I just cost you an hour a day searching around? Hmm. Because you can walk down the street 
And I have these long descriptive oh, passages yes. of San Francisco, San Diego, some, someplace in California that I've never been, uh-huh. but I knew what they looked like. Very cool. Well, so now I can start a series like in St. Louis or something. So in the in the second book, you started to incorporate the Russian mom. Your Jamie August sort of gets into not to give a whole bunch of stuff away, but you did a reading which we'll have on the, on the podcast page. But you also sort of incorporate Dubai, which obviously you're familiar with from the Middle East. So yes. was this sort of like a, a natural inclination to kind of mash those two things? Or? It was, yeah, because I've been living overseas in the Middle East now since 2009. And so part of the reason that I write these books is to remind me of home. And, you know, it's a good antidote to homesickness, really. But I wanted to incorporate in the things that I'm starting to learn about the rest of the world. And I'm aware when I write these that Jamie August really doesn't know about the wider world. She's never traveled until Ocean City cover-up when she does. I wanted to bring in elements from my travels and from my newly expanded worldview, but drop them into Ocean City, partly just for the comedic value. Right. One of the things that I try to stick to when I'm writing fiction is I want to drop a fictional plot and fictional characters into a really accurate setting. I want for all of the details about geography, about culture, about the way of life in a place to ring true, to be real. You know, if I'm talking about an element that's going to advance the plot, or if there's a clue that I'm I'm dropping in, in the dumpster behind the ice cream shop. Right. That's fiction, but everything else I try to make real. So I'm trying to write something that's as close to nonfiction as possible with a bunch of wild characters and stories overlaid, mm. if that makes sense. I think something peculiar about mystery is you can't always let you, you have to have a good idea what's going to happen. Like you have mm. to know when and where to drop clues. Whereas mm. I think in a lot of other fiction, you can get away with letting the story reveal itself as you go along. I mean, you probably have to start off knowing who done it. And yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Well, that's the, the age old question. Are you a plotter or a pantster? I've not heard that question. Oh, I'm not age old yet. So <laughs> I feel age old all the time though. <laughs> So the question is, are, do you plot or do you write by the seat of your pants, ah. plotter or pantster? Okay, gotcha. And so in, uh, in Ocean City Lowdown, I was definitely a pantster, which is not the way to be if you're writing mystery, which meant that I had to go back and rewrite and yeah. reformulate and shuffle around entire sections of the book. So with Ocean City cover-up, you know, I learned my lesson and I wrote a much more careful outline and then just filled in as I went. And there was still some reorganizing because as you're writing, you know, you come up with a different or better idea. Right. And then you go around and redo. But I'm working right now on the third book in the series. It's going to be called Ocean City Getaway. And with Getaway, I wrote an even more detailed outline. I feel like the outline was really the hard part. But you feel like the rest of it will go smoothly. So yeah, I'm about a quarter or a third of the way into the first draft. Mm -hmm. And it almost feels like I'm doing a homework assignment. You know what I mean? Because I know what I have to write. That's how we write all the time. So I (laughs) I guess that's how it goes. If you're that was my question is, how do you ever get away from that? In my most, most recent book, it's so much research and just so much just thinking and thinking. Mm. I, don't, I don't outline, but by the time I sit down, I'm really just transcribing. Yes. Which is what makes sense to me, which is why I'm so interested in how fiction writers go through this process of plotting and an organ. I mean, she's, you've got like NASA note 
taking machines and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I used Scrivener. <laughs> That's uh, like, and so I was trying yeah, to explain okay. to him, and he was like, yeah, Google Docs. And I was like, no, Tony, you got to try Scrivener. It's got all this stuff. And he was like, no, Google Docs. But uh, <laughs> one of the things that I admire about a fiction novelist brain is that they can come up with these characters, and they can put them in these situations because I guess I'm just I don't know if I'm I don't know maybe I'm lazy and I just can't pull it together but (laughs) do you have to like kind of drop yourself into like a a mindset for things or well I'm sure that for every novelist it's different for me the Jamie August series is very character driven so despite all of this stuff that i talked earlier with regard to, you know, making the setting real and creating a fictional piece out of a real place. The driving force or the inspiration behind this series is the character Jamie August. And so the more I write about her and the more I think about her, the easier it is for me to imagine what she would do. You know, like, what would Jamie August do? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> w, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the more I do this, the easier and also more fun it becomes to imagine, okay, so forget away. I'm not going to give too much of this away. (laughs) It involves a series of bank heists. And so I think, well, what would Jamie August do as a roving reporter when confronted with a series of bank heists and when confronted with the possibility that she's got some insider knowledge that she didn't realize she had. Right. You just take a couple of little nuggets of information and go, hmm, well, what would she do? Right. And so... You know, if I just like chill out and let myself go and not be all stressed about, you know, oh, I have to get this right, but just sort of riff on what would she do, then it becomes a lot easier to just churn out a first draft. And then the second draft yeah, the, might change, but... And it's interesting the way you put it, because having a real place and a real character, you're creating conflict and tension right there because the character is going to keep bumping up into real buildings. I mean, not not literally running, mm-hmm. but, but the, the, the character has to be made to fit. So her decisions are going to be driven by this real place that mm-hmm. you've gone through the trouble to establish. Right. When you are doing things in Ocean City... Do you have to be careful with or like change names of companies? Like I meant, like in your reading, you reference Core Brothers, but then you also reference like like another store. And I'm like, is it okay that we can reference like we can't say Sensations or Candy Kitchen, but I can say Core's? But do you have to do? Is that does that play into the research of like what you do, or, or you just make sure we don't slander some gigantic landowner? Right, right, right. Well, yeah. In the first book, there was that question actually. Exactly. A, yeah, a, I, a I land would assume deal. so. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm. I'm no lawyer and I didn't consult one. So we're hoping everything's fine. <laughs> but if, if you don't I, have you know, the president of Candy Kitchen butchering people in the back, you're fine. Like if they don't want to be in a book, they shouldn't have a storefront. Right. And yeah, no. So yeah. so far, no business owners have. Um, well, that's not quite true. Anyway. <laughs> What I try to do, like for the Core Brothers reference, I figured that Core Brothers would have no problem with that because Jamie August loves Core Brothers and it's the cornerstone of her fitness routine. Right, right. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm going with the real name. But then there are other instances where if the reference is less flattering or if I've come up with a different name for 
a business that I think is better, then it's fiction, so I can use it. Right. I hate your company name, therefore it's getting a new one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Why not? Kind of a little bit of a different track away from the Jamie August series, but you also do a mystery theater dinner series as well. I do. So you really love mystery. I, I do. You know, mysteries are my favorite genre. I read mysteries really all the time. I mean, I, I have to make myself read something other than a mystery. And when I travel, I try to read mysteries set in the place where I'm going. Going. And it's surprising how much you can learn about a place if you're reading an author who's doing like what I'm trying to do, which right. is place their characters in a real setting. It must be fun, yeah. Uh, cool. Fiction, fiction tourism. Put that on the put that on the books. Absolutely, right? yeah. yeah. It's a great way to do it. Anyway, yeah. So these uh, these murder mystery dinner theater scripts. I've been doing them for about a year now. There's a local theater troupe. They're called Murder for Hire. Murder for Hire. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And you can hire them for your company function or whatever for, you know, if you have a party that you want to provide entertainment for, they got you covered. But they perform also at the Globe right here in Berlin. But that must be kind of cool to sit down and see how they are interpreting because you don't direct it. You write it and then you have to live with and what they do. And I have to do. let it go. Oh, it's thrilling. It's yeah. totally thrilling. So I should say, though, that these, these dinner theater performances are completely like goofball comedy. Right. Like, you know, you think the Jamie August series is sort of comedic. These things are really, really silly. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a formula that I really have to follow in order for it to work the way that they do things. You know, it has to be about 20 minutes of dialogue and then they break for dinner and then about 15 minutes more after dinner that has to include a murder and an accusation of every character and a wrap up. It's really formulaic and the, it's pretty much the same troupe. But you're, con- but you're but you're constrained. We were talking about that last week as well. You're also you're you're constrained by how formulaic it is. Like you, it's it's a challenge to be more creative in a smaller space. Yeah, which is freeing in a way. It makes it really fun to go. Okay, well, I've got six carrot. It's like a puzzle. Got like six sure. six actors. Twenty minutes here. Break for dinner. 15 minutes there. They all have to know each other. They all have to have reason to kill each other. And now, it's great. What, what is it like? And, <laughs> Everyone and, has to kill each other. And you've got, you've got a sense of what the actors look like. So Yes. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of incidentally maybe doing the casting as you're doing the writing. Yes. Well, not incidentally. Actually, the, <laughs> for the first couple, all I had was photographs. I hadn't even seen them act. Right. So that was really just a shot in the dark. But now I've seen them. That's also a pun. <laughs> murder mystery um, theater. <laughs> I, I was thrilled and amazed the first one that i saw was back in february they performed at the globe the the plot if you could call it that was a, a it's like this has been rock band that has been doing like touring up and down the east coast doing cover song you know like they're a cover band right yes that's what i'm trying to say they're a cover band <laughs> And they've been going, you know, from Cape May to Ocean City to Virginia Beach for like 20 years. Mm. And they're worn out. So, I, I, you know, I, I cast these people that I barely know. I've seen photographs of them. And I made one of them the, the main character, the, the, the singer. I called him Rick Thunder. I love it. Because why not? So Rick Thunder comes comes like rolling into the dining room of the Globe Theater like he owns the place like he is Rick like Thunder. Rick Thunder the rock legend. <laughs> That's 
wonderful. And it was great. And afterwards, you know, I was talking to him and he was overwhelmed with how much fun he had doing the role. He was like, that was the best role I've ever done. I've been doing this for like 15 years. Oh my God. And so now it's really a treat because now I've seen them and I feel like I am writing for them. And I'm like, well, you know, if he could do Rick Thunder, then he could totally like be a shyster timeshare salesman. Right. Or, you know, whatever. Mm. That actually sounds like a ton of fun, actually. Yeah. It's one of those things that's always, there are lots of things that are always second on my list. It's like, Mm. I would really do that, but there's just, but I'm not going to. You know what I mean? It's, It's like, it's like. You mean write such a thing or just no no no, no. go to go to go to dinner theater? <laughs> oh, you should do it. Come on, it's one it's one I'm, night. You can do it. I, I know it's 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 <laughs> only because I've almost I, I swear to God I've almost seen them maybe ten times mm. since I've been working here because they they come to the Globe every year. Right? Yeah, they do multiple times. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to that. And I'm like, well, now you have to. Well, now you have like, to. It's like yeah, now I do have to, especially that I said it out loud. But it's like you know, it's the end of the day. I'm like, I, I just want to go home. Never mind. You know, yeah, have those. <laughs> You run out of gas and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go. No, I've I've, I've known a couple of people that have been to them and they say they're so much fun. And I would actually, I mean, I almost went to the one that was there last year. I think last year was yours that was at the club, right? Yeah. So when you're doing that, do you storyboard it? I mean, is it like postcards? How do you put that puzzle together? Well, with this one, actually, it was a pretty easy process because when I spoke to um, Tony Matrona, who organizes all of these performances, I guess he's their director. But, you know, he's, he's the brains behind the operation. Right, yeah. He gave me a stack of scripts that they had been using in years past. Mm-hmm. So they needed a new writer. They, they'd been starting to reuse some of their material. So they needed more stuff. But they knew exactly what they needed. So he said, here, you know, whomph, here's 10 scripts. This is the formula. Mm-hmm. So after reading those, I really kind of got it. You know, okay, sure. 18 pages. Okay, break here. Okay, you know, these people... It, it was all... I mean, I don't want to say it was easy. It was, it was a challenge, but it was Ooh, it was yeah, very it was just... clear what the project was after seeing all those examples. Dialogue is not as easy as it looks, and I can say this because I, I heard you. I heard you read like your dialogue is good. It's not tedious, but it, it so you. easily can become tedious. Mm. I mean, I'm sure with the accent. If you if you want to listen to the to the reading, she does she does an accent, which is which is helpful, but. The thing that always kind of amazes me about plays is that it is just dialogue. I mean, yeah, they make faces or whatever, but the the story is so tied up in dialogue. And do you start with the point and then get the dialogue, or do you let the dialogue take you? How is it different from like putting together a, a dialogue in a book? Well, usually, what I do with these murder mysteries is I I sit down and I just do just an off the cuff draft that's not dialogue. I just write down what happens. Okay. I just write down, actually, let me back it up. What I do first is I write the list of the cast of characters. So, you know, in a, in a play, the first thing right. before the action starts is there's a, there's a description of every character. And since the, these murder mysteries are all about a group of people who all have relationships of one kind or another with each other and who all, in fact, might potentially kill each other, I have to get all of that family tree or relationship tree very clearly defined. So I do that first. Mm -hmm. And then I just do a little draft, like this is what happened. And then from there, I have to back it up and write the actual dialogue. They have to say what happened. They have to say what happened. And you're right. It is. It's, it's a challenge to write dialogue that doesn't sound completely stilted and overly, you know, burdened with 
explanation. Right. Because you have to like, write things that people would actually say. Right. And not... Hi, I'm Captain Exposition, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You want to avoid that. In a book, you've got a lot of time for the dialogue and the exposition to kind of pull together and kind of paint this picture. I mean, you've got many, many pages where I would think when you're writing that short play and, and that script writing, word choice and nuance, and especially with not being able to reveal the who done it part, the nuance and the subtlety and the word choice, that has to be a challenge. Yeah, yeah. You have to cram a lot into a very short space. But also, happily, these things are so over the top that I don't have to be particularly subtle. If, right. if Susie hates Johnny, she'll come up to him and scream in his face, I hate you! You know, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have to really be very... You don't, you don't have to count finesse. on an actor to slink around the stage and look <laughs> Yeah, no, there's, see, there's no time for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, just real quick, we, uh, we always like to talk about promoting books. Um, so how, besides coming on world-renowned podcasts, do you mm-hmm. promote your book and... Do you do, do you do things socially? Do you well because I live overseas? It's it's a challenge to it's a treat when I get to come here and when I get to you know do podcasts in the United right. States and you know I do I do farmers market appearances and readings and stuff when I can when I'm here. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I have to just rely on the word of mouth of my readers, and so I sell books on my website. It's just, you know, a link to Amazon. Right. So you can find my books on Amazon. You can find my books, you know, both electronically and in print online. Yeah. Beyond that, it's just word of mouth. And happily, I have lots of friends who are chatty. And so right. the word of mouth and is lots really... Lots of words of yeah, mouth. Yeah. It really kind of works. Yeah. Our last uh, second Friday. So every in, in the town of Berlin, we have a second Friday art stroll. And usually all the businesses open up and host someone and people go on the street and set up their wares and stuff. This couple came in from Pennsylvania and she starts talking about this mystery series set in Ocean City. And I'm like, oh, well, if you like that... There's a lady named Kim Cash, and she's got this, you know, mystery series. So if you like Ocean City, you like mystery. She's like, oh, I've got both those books, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, so here's a lady from, like, Pittsburgh somewhere. I don't remember where it was. But she, like, rolled in here, and I thought, like, oh, well, she's visiting Ocean City. Let me tell her about this local Ocean City and blah, blah, blah. She kind of likes that. And then she was like, oh, I already have those, blah, blah, blah. And I was like... Well, awesome. That's awesome for Kim, but now I'm like, uh, you know, so <laughs> I'm like I'm out of suggestions. And, uh, and then I had someone else who said that they had an idea about writing a book based on Ocean City, and I was like, well, if you want to see it done well, let me recommend. And I recommended your book too. It was a, a lady who kind of walked in, and she's like, you know, what do you do here? And I was giving her the whole spiel of you know what we do here at Saltwater, and she's like, well, I have this idea to. Put a, I've got this thing about Ocean City and some blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, if you... And she was like, but I'm not... And, that's, and she was like, I'm not sure about if I can use names of buildings and companies and whatever and right. how to how to really frame that up. And she wasn't a local. And I said, well, if you want to see it done, see it done well with a really cool cover and all the pieces function and they work well and it's good writing and it's concise and it's interesting and the characters are vibrant oh and you need to go read this and she was like and so she, you know i wrote it down for her so i mean i'm doing i'm you know i'm i'm pushing on this so how do you so. feel about the book i like it i like it a lot <laughs> well, no, what I, what, no what i like about what i like about it is that jamie august comes off the page to you within mm. the first Take a listen to the reading. Yeah, the reading is fantastic. But I've also, like, you know, the first, 
like 20 pages of Ocean City Lowdown, you you feel like you you know her. She feels like a, a friend you went to college with. Oh, I mean, she's I'm very, so glad to hear that. She's very vivid, and mm. she kind of comes right off the page, and she's spunky, and she's kind of got these quirks, and I'm like, I feel like I know her. So I feel like it, it is well done. I feel like you do you don't treat Ocean City sometimes like Tony treats Delmarva. Um, you know, you, you, you know, you, uh, you know, you, you handle the material well, your characters are, are, are brilliant. And, um, so I, I highly recommend it. And that's why I was so excited that you Thank would come you. all the way from Saudi Arabia to come hang out with us. Couple of nerds. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm oh, really well, we pleased. Did fly well, her in. We, 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 we sent the saltwater media oh, yeah. helicopter the, for the her. Saltwater, the saltwater jet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> well, the right. one thing that I will say, though, is that, uh, you know, you were asking me earlier about um, how do I promote my books. And so, um, you know, organizations like Saltwater Media make such a huge difference for uh, for authors, for local authors, for, you know, people who are trying to do this thing. I mean, this is a hobby. This is like nobody quits their day job to write books like this. And so it's great to have champions like Saltwater doing this kind of stuff because... You know, I don't have the time or the inclination or the knowledge to do, uh, you know, social media promotion and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I have a day job. Right. And so, you know, it's really great to see that there are people like you guys who are steeped in this all day. This is what you do. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think, you know, for me, you know, being an independent author, being, you know, a self-published author myself, I, I feel very strongly that I want to be an advocate for the self-published, for the indie author, because not every big traditional publisher is going to pick us up, but that doesn't mean our stories aren't worth telling. Right. Jamie August, the, the, these, the, your stories are absolutely worth telling. They're well done. They're well crafted. Um, the characters are interesting. It's, it's a very well done series. And I feel like there are, and there are others that, you know, we've had on the podcast who they have really interesting stories and they should be told. And there has to be somebody out there with a bullhorn saying, pay attention to us. And so if I can be one tiny little person with a giant bullhorn, you know, that was the whole reason why we started the podcast was we wanted to be an advocate. We wanted to help share these stories and try to push them out there. So that is my thank you. box. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, now's a part of the show where you thank the guest. Gosh, well, thank you so much, Kim, for, for coming on. I was, I was just delighted to have you here. It was my great pleasure. This was such fun. Thank you both. So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you happen to like limericks and haikus or even old-fashioned snail mail, then pick a word and send it to us via our contact form on the podcast website. Tony will take your word and create a limerick, and I'll come up with a haiku. We'll put it on a postcard slap a stamp on it and we'll mail it to you since you're already online we'd love it if you'd swing over to itunes and stitcher and leave us a good review of course if you don't like the podcast feel free to not leave a review tell your story